Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Executive Perspective. Executive Perspective is brought to you by Cressa, going beyond space to foster the best environment for every business. Now, here's your host, Danny Vandermeer. Hello, and welcome to Executive Perspective, a podcast series brought to you by Cressa world's largest commercial real estate firm dedicated to representing tenants. At Cressa, we value relationships and realize the power of connecting with others in the business world. And that's why we love this podcast series. We get to sit down with executives and business leaders and learn more about their unique perspective. My name is Danny Vandermate, and I'm a senior vice president of tenant advisory in the Atlanta office of Cressa. And I am your host for Executive Perspective. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Larry Hip, chief executive officer of Brightwell Payments. Larry, Thank you so much for being here. Danny, thank you for the invitation, and I'm excited to talk today. Awesome. So one of the first things we like to do when we start these conversations on this series is run through a little bit of your background, and I'm going to do that real quick. You grew up in Tampa, Florida. You graduated from college at Auburn University, War Eagle, started your professional career in Birmingham as a technical analyst with a fintech company that's now part of Fiserv. It was then called Open Solutions. In six years in Birmingham... You stayed in software and software products at Open Solutions and two other companies, one of them called Reflex Blue and LendingTools.com is the other. After Birmingham, you moved to Tampa for about four years where you were in IT consulting and product development for an advertising company called Thuzi. Then in 2013, you headed here, where we're recording from in Atlanta, where you joined a revenue analytics company called 352. In 2016, you joined Brightwell Payments, which is where you're at now, then as Chief Operating Officer. But as of April of 2020, and remember that date, everybody listening, you became Chief Executive Officer. So that was a quick run-through. Hopefully most of that was right. But what would you add to it that would be helpful for people to know about you? Yeah, so my background for the last 20 years has been in some sort of money movement. My first job out of school writing, I'm classically trained as a software engineer, so my first job out of school was writing bank, banking software. And for 20 years now, I've been in some sort of money. Back then, one of the first things I was, my claim to fame in banking is in the check imaging days. Check yes. imaging, it was a novel concept. Many of us may remember this, some might not, depending on the audience. But there was this day when all of a sudden you could go online and see an image of your check that you wrote at the store online. Yeah. Uh, and that was some of the first software I was a part of writing. And then from there, we went on to doing core banking, so the behind-the-scenes stuff. I've done clearing from bank to bank and Federal Reserves. In Tampa, I did a stint at Raymond James working on stocks and bonds and asset management software. And I've been at Brightwell here for about seven and a half years, and we have focused on cross-border payments and so I say I've moved just about everything but gold and crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, crypto has got its own story, and I don't think its story's been written yet. And there's a whole episode on crypto maybe one day, but until the federal government figures out what they want to do with us, a lot of it here in the U.S. at least, is it's not going to come around too hardcore yet. But after that, uh, yeah, we, uh, we're here at Brightwell now and have been there for seven and a half years and uh, lo- love being in Atlanta and all of the payments that happen here in Atlanta. Yeah, so you've been in money movement. Your entire career. So fitting that you'd arrive here in Atlanta. Yeah. And it's one of those things where when I left school, I left Auburn and had a great educational base on writing software. The first job I had writing software just so happened to be banking software. 
Like there really wasn't a, anything magical about being in payments for 20 years. I didn't think I was going to be in payments for 20 years. Um, but that first bit of that first training ground, if you will, was me writing banking software and kind of the rest was history. Uh, and being in Atlanta, it's the payments capital of America. That's what we call it. Brightwell is this company where many of the listeners of this podcast may not have ever even heard of it, right? Mm -hmm. But there are so many payments companies like us here in Atlanta that are doing big things. Mm -hmm. You don't even know we exist. Yeah. And to that point, Brightwell's identity is that of being a specialist and a leader in cross-border payments, which you alluded to a little bit ago. Is that right? Yeah. Today, I would say that's our identity. We've been through a few iterations. Uh-huh. Brightwell's been around for a while here in Atlanta. I think we're on our 13th year in business. And in the early days, we were in prepaid cards. Prepaid cards were the basis of everything that founded our business. And we found a little niche when prepaid cards were starting to come around, which was delivering payroll to a prepaid card. Mm-hmm. And very specifically, payroll to people that worked on cruise ships. Got it. And cruise ships have a really interesting dynamic where if you've ever been on a cruise ship, you've ever been on a cruise? Yes. A couple. It's been a while. You may remember about 99% of the people, almost everybody working on board is non-US. But they're working for a company that's most likely paying them in the US dollar. And so you're floating around in the ocean. You're somewhere in the middle of the, the Caribbean. You're somewhere up around Alaska. You're somewhere over in Europe. You're getting paid. Let's say you're from the Philippines. Let's and, say you're from India. And not to cut you off right away, but is that to say that most cruise ship operators are American-based companies? Or U.S. currency is the preferred currency you, even, for most? Even for many European cruise lines, the, the base currency is U, the U.S. dollar. Okay. And so, you know, you're floating around somewhere, payday comes around. And up until really some of us who were in the prepaid card space found cruise ships, payday would be uh, cash. You'd go down to some deck on the ship below sea level where the, where there's a, a casino style cage, right? And you walk up and there's a long line of people out the door who are here to get paid. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's, it's the 15th of the month and it's time for you to get paid and you go downstairs and they they hand you dollars and slide some coins around the around under the cage and and, and now you're floating around at sea and you know what are, what are you going to do with this money? Mm-hmm. Right. One of the things about the people who work on cruise ships is they're some of the most hardest working humans that you're ever going to find. Some stories that are just amazing, and most of that demographic, most of the persona of people that are working on a cruise ship, they're there for one major reason. That is to support a family back home. And it's really hard to support a family back home when you just got paid in cash and you can't do anything with this cash until you can get off that ship at some future port. It's unknown. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we came in with prepaid cards. And we found that uh, a payroll delivered to a prepaid card was a fantastic way to transform an entire industry and to transform how many of the users on cruise ships at the time were able to get access to their money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was safer rolling around with cash on a ship where you share a cabin with somebody or you're stuffing all of this money into your, into your suitcase and traveling through an airport. Like it just was not a safe way to handle money as many of us would attribute to that have been digital for many years. And so what we were able to do is we were able to displace that cash as a payroll mechanism, put a prepaid card in their hands. And then from there, 
we were able to build a, a, a beautiful payout network for those uh, folks that work on cruise ships that helps them get their money home, wherever home is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really where the transformation from us moves from just delivering payroll to something that's more global. And what you just described, that's the process of cross-border payments for those employees. Yep. And so when you think about the demographics of those that work on cruise ships, you know, you, we, huge population from Southeast Asia, right? huge population from Eastern Europe. Today, we have somebody from just about every country on the planet using our product. That's how diverse the audience is, the people that work on cruise ships are. And it's a pretty global problem to serve Mm -hmm. and helping them get that money back home to their families. One of the things we say internally a lot is we want to make it as easy for someone working on a cruise ship that's from Indonesia to get access to their money as it is for us, right? Payday is coming up here in a couple of weeks for most of us here in the States, getting closer to the end of the month. Many of us don't even think about it. Yeah. Shows up. Auto pay happens. The bills get paid. The predictability of your funds being in your bank account when you get paid, at least here in the U.S., is for most folks, it's it's there. It just works. What's an example of a hurdle one of those employees has to jump over receiving their payment in the form of a card or receiving payment from their employer for their country that we take for granted just being able to receive as normally like you just described? Yeah, so if you think about us, us here in the U.S., we're pretty adapt with cards. You can tap it, you can swipe it, you can stick a chip in it, you can use Apple Pay on your phone. A few hurdles start just right there, mm-hmm. right? where many places in the world, cards aren't accepted, right? Or it's, I, I think about cards here in the US where many other parts of the world, they jumped right over the card and went to QR codes for paying for things. Like we're getting a little more comfortable with QR codes here in the US as, in the last couple of years, especially mm-hmm. since COVID. But not everybody around the globe uses money the way we use money here. So that's the first hurdle. It's just getting the money in the form that you need back home. But the second hurdle, and I would say the largest hurdle, is converting currency from the U.S. dollar to really anything else is a challenge. Mm-hmm. You've, got to, you've got to focus on the speed, like how fast is that money going to get there. You've got to focus on what's the conversion ratio, right? So how many pesos can I get for my dollar? And how many choices are there out there where somebody's going to give you a little more pesos for your dollar than a little less pesos? What's the fee, right? Also, many of these folks are supporting family members, right? The phrase it takes a village is still very alive and well around the globe. So not only are you thinking, okay, I'm on a cruise ship and I am digital now because I've been maybe a little younger and maybe Brightwell has helped me become digital from a place when, where I wasn't digital before, but now mom and dad, hey, they still just know that one bodega around the corner, mm-hmm. right? And so there's all types of unique challenges. And then you multiply that across every country on the planet, just about. And we have to solve a pretty global macroeconomic problem on a daily basis. Yeah, all of those different jurisdictions have different steps and procedures for conversion. And for access, for conversion, every country's got a different regulation on what can come in and what can go out. And managing that on a global scale is what we were able to do to become across border payments. In in many ways, we say we were one of the banking, one of the fintech phrases out there is neobanks, challenger banks, right? We like to say we were a neobank before neobanks were cool because when we started putting payroll cards on cruise ships, we became a bank for these folks. 
we became the place that they trusted for their money and to get their money back home. And we take that challenge very seriously. And these are some of the most hardworking people you're ever going to meet going on board a ship. If you're ever on a cruise ship, take a minute to talk to the person that is working on board, ask them where they're from, ask them what drives them to be on that ship. Ask them how long they work, how hard they work. When was the last time you were home? When was the last time you saw your family? Mm -hmm. Many of the people that are working on cruise ships are supporting, you know, mom and dad back home or a husband or or a, a wife or a mother or a father, like kids back home. And get to know their story a little bit, and that's one of the that's one of the special things for our company is we've really focused on the human side of that payment, right? And solving that problem, it's yeah. At the end of the day, we're focused on how to get money from point A to point B, but the reason we focus on it on a global scale every day, where the landscape changes almost every day, mm-hmm. is because there's a real person on the other end of those funds. Right? Yeah. There's a real human that needs to, to pay some bills. It's daycare, maybe it's yeah. food, maybe it's housing, maybe it's all the essentials that we need in life that we all just take for granted because direct deposit, it just happens. And your end users in, in, in this example of the cruise industry that, that we're talking about, they are the employees themselves. Are Brightwell's customers the cruise companies? Yeah, so we will work with the cruise lines okay. and to be the, the delivery mechanism of their payroll. Got it. So we work with the corporate clients and we work with them locally on every ship. So there's somebody on board of every ship that's delivering payroll. And so we, we have a whole team of people that are based here in Atlanta and now growing globally because you know, one of the things about uh, the world when you're a global company is it doesn't turn off at uh, five, six o'clock at night, Eastern time. Right? Mm-hmm. When we're all going to bed or going home and having dinner with our families, Many people are just waking up on the other part of the world who are working on a cruise ship. Right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, we've had to expand to not only having amazing support and, and client services groups here in Atlanta, but now we're starting to hire people globally. Right? We're focused on hiring people in the Philippines, full-time employees in the Philippines, full-time employees in places like Cyprus. We're really trying to figure out where day is night and night is day so that we've got great 24-7 support uh, for all of the wonderful people we work with on ships. And so we mentioned April 2020 is when you became chief executive officer at Brightwell. And we said we come back to that. We all know what happened at the beginning of 2020. And before I ask what I'm about to ask, pre-COVID, what percentage of Brightwell's business was based on the cruise industry? 100%. 100%. Okay. So here's the question. What was it like in March of 2020 at Brightwell? I've often thought I wish that I had, I wish I'd have had the foresight to keep a diary, <laughs> keep a journal. We all do. I- of what was happening mentally for me and for our company in those early days yep. of COVID, right? You're thinking March say, of 2020, right? We say we don't need a diary now. We need a diary 20 years ago. Yeah. We, we, we think about 2020, March of 2020. Um, we're still talking about language like, Hey, let's all go home for two weeks to flatten the curve. Like, how long did that like last? And one of the one of the things for us is in early March. So it was, I think it was like March thirteenth, fourteenth. We're sitting in the office. Obviously, COVID is coming. We're starting to see this spread around the globe. Everybody's starting to come to this realization of, oh no, this is this is a big deal. Hmm. 
And we distinctly, I distinctly remember a day where I was in the break room and somebody walks into our, and this, we're all still in the office at this point. And someone says, Hey, the president just tweeted that he just spoke with the top cruise line CEOs in the U S and they've all volunteered to pause operations for 30 days. 30 days was the announcement. And we called our clients right away and we were like, Hey, what's happening? And they were like, I don't know. We saw it through Twitter, just like you saw it through Twitter. (laughs) And we're in a mindset here that is, okay, we're all going to go home. We're going to do our part. We're going we're gonna to sit on the sidelines for a couple of few weeks. This thing's all going to blow over. And then you get to April of 2020, and the reality sets in that this thing isn't going to go away anytime soon. Uh, and when your business is attached to cruise ships in 2020, uh, you also have a new reality of you don't know when they're going to come back. Right. And, and, and let that resonate too. I, I, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around this, but it was announced and it was made known to you and your clients and customers via Twitter. Yeah. And I'm sure some of our, somewhere in our clients' organizations, yeah. they knew it was coming. But most of the people we work with were all scrambling off the same information, right? But, and the, you, but the official mandate, it appeared to come from Twitter. It appeared to come from Twitter. Yeah. Amazing. And there's just, if it's hard. And this, I wish I had a journal. It's hard to remember the day-to-day chaos, the day-to-day changing landscape, the day-to-day changing information, not just for our business, for, but for many businesses, right? And yes, it was March of 2020, cruise lines go on a pause for 30 days. April 2020, that pause is extended for another 30 days. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, yeah, we were, we were in for the long run here. And before we get too far ahead, it was April that you were announced as chief executive officer. Uh, you couldn't have picked a more pivotal, challenging moment in time. What was that like for you personally? It was really challenging, and it turned out to be extremely rewarding. And it was it was unknown for everybody, alone enough, the, a first-time CEO, right? This was my first time to be a CEO. And you come into Monday after being announced as the, the new CEO, and... Hey, everybody, we don't know where we're going. We don't know when this is going to be over. We're going to do everything we can to hold on as long as we can. And let's get through this thing. And and just for context for our listeners to how many employees at Bright this time? At that time, we were probably 95-ish. 95. Kind of plus or minus a person on staff. And so call it mid-90s. Okay. And right when I became... CEO, we reduced a little bit, right? Like many companies were doing there. And so the day that I took over as CEO, we probably were 85. And it uh, was one of the first major decisions to have to make, which is when is this thing going to end? And what's the right shape and size for the company for the duration and for the long run? And coming in that next Monday morning after all of those decisions were made and everybody looking at me going, okay, Larry, now what, what's next? And, and so what is your mindset? My mindset at the time was cruise industry was going to come back. Mm. We just didn't know when. Unless it's a major travel segment for the U.S., for the world, major infrastructure, major component of GDP. Like When COVID is over, cruise ships will be there. And you can say now because... They've come back. It was what June of twenty one when July of twenty one. So okay. we went. They went down in March of twenty twenty and did not really come back until July of twenty twenty one. So when you assume this role, there was no end in sight. 
or there was no definite. There was no there definite. Was no definite there was no time. definite end in sight. But I don't think any of us would have thought that it was going to go all the way to July of 2021. And so, when you think about that now, does that year feel way longer than you had anticipated? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's. I think that's sufficient to say. There were so many times where. People would come to me, people that work with us, and hey, Larry, when's this going to end? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, what are, are we going to make it? Yeah. I hope so. We're doing everything we can. Right. And one of the things that we did that I'm super proud of about that period of time for our company, it was a hard time for us because we didn't know when cruise ships were going to come back. It was an even harder time for the people who use our product. Mm-hmm. So let's go back and let's talk about the cruise workers again. Yeah. You're working on a cruise ship largely because you're making more money on this ship than you can make back home. Right. And now not only are you leaving this cruise ship, flying back home where COVID restrictions may be even more harsh than they were than the U S jobs are even now harder to find because everybody is at home all around the globe. And now we went from having a audience of people that are extremely global, but, but often in one place on a ship to an audience of people using our product that are now all at home, all global. And for us, some of the hardest things for us from a business perspective were what's the right amount of expenses? What's the, how long is this going to go? Do we have enough cash? How do we find some more cash? How do Mm -hmm. we make some, we went into side hustle mode. Like how do we find new ways to make a little money so that we can extend our runway? Like every, like any business that was hit this hard from COVID. And were these employees furloughed? Is that what was happening in the cruise industry? They were sent home. They were just sent home. Yeah. They're largely contract employees. And so contracts just came to an end and the cruise lines would get to a point where they have what they call minimum manning on a ship. So during the, during cruise, most of the time there's less than a hundred people on board of one of those giant ships. It's just being kept under maintenance mode. Everybody else went home. And just like everybody who lost work through that time period, they didn't know the people that worked on the ships. They didn't know. So we transfer our business transformed to a wholly new thing, right? Cause now we are, we only might, we only may have a handful of people from Colombia. We may only have a handful of people from Poland, but we got them. You got them. And they're now using their money in totally new ways than when they were on a cruise ship. And so for our Brightwellians, that's what we call ourselves internally, we we had to adapt to a totally different business model through that period of time, a totally different customer demand of how to engage with us. And it kept us real busy. And is that to say that the nature of the relationship you had with your customers changed dramatically because of the restrictions from COVID. Yes. Our crew that were being paid on our system, they went from, I get paid, I send money back home. I get paid, I send money back home to, I've got money on my prepaid card. That prepaid card is still there, right? That original thing that we put on board. And now I need to use that money like a savings account and spend it in little ways as minimally as possible, because just like us working with the cruise lines, the people that worked on the cruise ships, they had no idea when this thing was going to be over. And so many a days we would see messages from people around the globe who would tell us how our product was enabling them to continue to pay their bills when they were back home. Or we were, we were overcoming challenges of getting 
a physical plastic visa card to a remote village somewhere in the Philippines that where the mail is really hard to get there. Plus COVID is like the mail is not even being delivered. And so for us, it was, we had to start engaging radically different with our, with the people who use our product. And I think that's one of the things we at Brightwell are, are most proud of is that when times got dark, we didn't turn in and, and go, oh, this is going to be bad. And let's, let's just ride out the storm. No, we doubled down on one of our first core values, which is our users always come first. And we found ways to support them in challenging ways that we had never had to deal with before. So if there was a turning point, and it doesn't sound like an if, it sounds like there was a turning point during COVID for you and your team in how you engaged and interacted with your customers and really how you saw the identity of the business. When in COVID was that? Yeah, so the first six months of COVID is just, once again, I wish I had that journal. It's yeah. all chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Information is changing rapidly. When is this thing going to be over? When's it not going to be over? How long is it going to go? I just told this beautiful story about our users getting home and how we're adapting our product to support them in new ways and that we had never thought that we would ever have to do. And then there's the time frame. I'd, I'd probably say six-ish months down the road when you realize, all right, this is this isn't ending anytime soon. And in that first six months, you know, internally, were you thinking, okay, maybe another thirty days? Okay, maybe another thirty days? And you probably believing like month to month. All right, any minute now, this yeah. can't possibly last forever. Like yeah. all of us felt. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where yeah, it, it needs another sixty days. And I think there's a point that probably was about six months down the road when you realized it's going to be another year. And it's funny because I sit here and listening to you tell the story. I can remember. I wish I had a diary or a journal. I can remember during COVID at the beginning of it and throughout it, it didn't seem like there was an unnecessary business. But if I could think of one, it was the love boat. And it was what you and your clients were having really to manage and deal with, an industry that was totally shut down. Nobody could justify getting on a boat in close quarters and sailing around seas together. Yeah, it was um, one of the, the cruise line in general. And we're, you know, we're adjacent to what the cruise lines had to go through. They went through, go just look at their stories as well, an unprecedented revenue drop, yeah, an unprecedented just business halt. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where nobody saw that it would last as long as it did. No, I don't think many of us didn't think the COVID impact would last cruise ships or not as long as it did. And they were hit really hard. They were hit really hard. And the good news is today that industry has rebounded. It's thriving. It's probably bigger than it's ever been. And uh, cruises back and mm-hmm. cruise ships are, are just once again, a wonderful place for people to travel and have family vacations. But uh, yeah, it took a while. It took a lot longer than any of us thought. And for Brightwell too, you talk about your clients and your customers, but for Brightwell too, you guys went through one form or another, some metamorphosis. And so for this next question, what's the biggest difference for Brightwell pre-COVID, post-COVID? Looking at those two companies now, besides Larry Hip being its fearless leader, what changed at the company? Yeah, we knew at some point we had to figure out what happens after cruise ships. There's only so many cruise ships, right? The market that we play in from a cruise perspective, we love it. We love the people who work on cruise ships. We love our clients on cruise ships. So there's only so many ships. And if there is a silver lining, if you will, as to what we went through in COVID, 
we were able to go into R&D mode unlike any other experience I've been able to. Like most companies, there's always some sort of R&D function. You're trying to figure out what comes next. Mm -hmm. And is that to say because there was time now? So much time, Uh right? Like once that first six months settled and all of the crew got home and now they're just living their life through COVID. We've got 100 people on board each ship, right? We went from we went down over 90% in the amount of work and payroll that we were dealing with. All right, now let's spend some focus time on what comes next, right? We've got the time. We had a rare moment where all of the brightest and sharpest minds at our company that were focused on this product that we had built for many years had some extra time, time to think, time to test, time to innovate, right? And what we were able to do is if you, peel back an onion on our product a little bit. One of the things that we've built over the last decade is one of the largest aggregated payout networks for moving money cross borders around the globe. I mentioned this a little earlier. Every part of the world has got a little bit different specialty on how they, how they use money. Yeah. Many of the Southeast Asian countries. Yeah. Within within the Southeast Asian countries, cash is still key. Right. COVID has shifted that part of the world more digital than cash in many regards. But if you wanted to send money back to, to mom and dad, you would walk into a bodega in the Philippines and, and they would get Filipino pesos cash because it's still a very cash economy. If you want to go to some of the Latin America regions or get closer over to, say, Argentina, Brazil, very digital, very QR code, right? Very digital wallet. You want to go to Eastern Europe. It's very westernized, right? Bank accounts. What we built over the last decade or so was the ability to deliver money to every part of the globe efficiently, quickly, cheaply, all the things that you would expect. But in the kind of payout modality that part of the world needs, Mm -hmm. uses, right? And when you think about the ability to move money to a bank account, to a prepaid card, to a digital wallet. We can do push to debit cards now with our partnership with Visa. We can deliver money anywhere in any way possible. And the innovation for us was we've only tried to use this network for payroll distribution, Mm -hmm. right? You think we can use this network in other ways? And so what we did was, is we built some new products on top of that payout network that allowed us to start delivering money cross borders. Uh, Same payment engine, different use cases. And many of our strategies internally was just thinking about pre-COVID was thinking about how we stay on this payroll track, right? How we stay in this world of taking payroll money in and helping that money get around the globe. And when COVID hit, we really, we flipped that strategy around a little bit and said, how do we enable other payroll companies, other companies that have a card and an account and a relationship with a user, how do we give them access to this network that we've built that can truly deliver money? We send money to every country on the planet the federal government will allow. Mm. And it's a robust network that's got the compliance figured out for every country on the planet. How do we help other companies that have users on their products get access to the same money movement network that we've been offering the people on our product for years? So we built a we built a, an embedded finance product uh, that will allow you to drop in our cross-border payment engine right into your app. 
Um, that's one of the things we built through COVID. We built out a B2C network where any business, you know, we're doing a lot with this with our cruise lines now, but we're also expanding beyond cruise lines where you need to pay somebody a refund. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you let's say you just came over on a on an Air France flight and you're not American and your baggage gets destroyed in some way. And how do you pay that person back? Mm-hmm. Right now, the industry is going to maybe write you a check and say, here you go. Maybe it's a digital virtual card. And what we've been able to do is say, hey, we have a network that works for travel, that works for hospitality, that works for people that have a product that is some sort of account based. Think a credit union, think a payroll card company. We've got an engine that allows you to get that money to that individual in whatever currency or payout modality that they need mm-hmm. back home quickly and efficiently. Right, and, and so for us, we took some of our best people and really all the people that had built this product of payroll distribution, and we said, let's go build something new. Yeah. And we wouldn't, many of people, when you're building something new, you got to go hire all these new teams and consultants and big brain thinking to come around and say, this is how you should build it. We were able to just do it with our own folks. And because we, the time was there. Because the time was there. And so yeah. it's our silver lining in all this is uh-huh. that we were able to transform our business through COVID. July of 21 comes around. Our base business starts to reemerge and get back on its feet. Meanwhile, we've also started. To what was that like? What was it? What was July 21 like at Brightwood? Just as much chaos as it was going <laughs> on the way down as on the way back. If you can imagine an industry and a, and, a, and a product where all of a sudden, you know, your user base drops by 90, 95%. And then 95 95%. Yeah. Wow. And then overnight, and all of a sudden, the that sun rises. It just, and those 95% come back almost as fast as they went away. Were you saying, hold it, guys, we need more time to finish developing? Oh, no. no <laughs> we, sure. we were, the sun is coming up. Let's go. We'll yeah, figure yeah. this thing out. And today, fast forward, we're about to wrap up the year of 2023. And uh, we've got our base business. It's growing. It's bigger than it's ever been. We're helping more people on cruise ships get their money back home and we're winning new cruise lines today. And so it's it's a wonderful product that helps a lot of people. We've been able to take the core part of that product and start offering it to other people, right? And start offering it to other businesses that need to get money back home or to pay somebody back that's international. And it's just a hard thing to do. We take it for granted. Once again, we take a lot of things for granted here in the US, right? Oh, you ordered something, you, you took a vacation somewhere, and it didn't go out, guess what? Somebody's just going to refund your credit card mm-hmm. because you probably bought a USD vacation and you paid for it with a USD card. That problem multiplies exponentially when the currencies are different. And so for us, it is how do we take our engine that we've built over the last decade that we use every day to enable money around the world to get where it needs to go and extend that out to a lot of other companies that have that are solving similar problems that we've had to solve over the years. I love that story. I appreciate that story because what's very unique about it is, and it's it's not unique, when you had the time and when you had the resources and when you were looking at ways and opportunities and avenues to innovate and to grow, you looked at your existing network and you looked at your existing product And you started really from the bottom up and you said, how can we make more from this? How can we offer this as something utilizable and beneficial 
for other companies and other users. And what comes from it is the story of Brightwell through COVID. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool story. And I've got so many questions, no time to ask them all, but I want to ask this one. You could tell you and your team something at the beginning of 2020 that now with the benefit of hindsight, what would it be? If I could go back and tell April 2020, Larry, one one or two things, I would say prepare yourself for the long run. Build a bigger war chest than you can imagine, but also stay focused and be encouraged and you're going to get through this. And there was a lot of stress on us all back in those days and having hindsight now of knowing the outcome. Look, we got lucky. Let's be honest. A lot of companies didn't make it through this period, right? A lot of companies suffered just like we did. And for us to hold our staff through the through that timeline as much as we could, some of the things I'm most proud of that I would go back and tell April of 2020, Larry, is it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We have been very fortunate to be named one of AJC's top places to work five years in a row. Five years in a row. Five years in a row. We're really proud of that. And part of those five years include the last three years. Part of those five years of the last That's three amazing. Years. And, That's a testament and, to And some of our highest culture. scoring years were during COVID. And I would say that one of the things that I would tell 2020 Larry is, April of 2020 Larry, is you're going to get through this thing. And it's going to be one of the most challenging things that you'll do, but also one of the most rewarding things. So when you go home at the end of the night and you're lying in bed and you're stressed out and confused and you have no idea when this thing's going to come to an end or what the next move is, trust your team, trust your instincts. You're going to get through this thing and it'll be great on the other side. And maybe, maybe I would have had a little less stress through that. If I was going to ask, that, right? what are some of those stresses or anxieties that you look at now and, and you think, oh, those are so overstated. And you, and, you, and you almost just want to look at yourself and say, Larry, don't focus on those. Yeah, I think it was one of those things of just the short-term thinking, mm-hmm. right? And one of those is just survival as a company. And one of the things that I take as the CEO very seriously is the all of the bright wellians that are choosing to work at our office on, on every single day, providing them with a, a, a great place to work is obviously something that we care about deeply, but also the comfort to know that they've got a spot for the long term, Right. One of the beautiful things about our company is we got some people that have been there for a lot longer than I've been there, 10, 15 years type thing. And so one of the things that I look back on is just the constant worry about what happens next month versus starting that mindset of what happens on the other side of this thing. And part of that's just a, far, a function of the uncertainty that we all went through. Part of that is the reality of just the rapid fire of change that was coming our way. But focusing more on what we would do on the other side versus what to do next month, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some of the stressors there, accepting in my reality a little yeah. bit sooner, maybe would be one of the things I wish I could go back and do. Yeah, and the other thing I was going to ask, and it sounds like you answered, was what are some of the understated values that were there? And it sounded like you really said your team and your culture. Yeah, we, we've got some core values and uh, inside of our company that we try and be uh, utmost to every single day. And one of the things that that I went into when I you know, we enter into this COVID period, um, I, bet, I bet many CEOs can relate to this, right? Especially those that were heavily impacted by COVID. Hey, Larry, when are we going to get on the other side of this thing? I don't have a great answer for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Hey, what uh, what's the next six months look like? I don't have a great answer for that. 
And instead of coming up with answers or coming up with, it's all going to be okay. We just, we went into kind of radical transparency, man. Hey, this is what we know. This is how much cash we have. Here's a chart that shows you when our cash runs out. And every month we're doing every single thing possible to make that line go a little bit farther. And, Stretch time as far as we can. And that, that transparency, it extends to us today. We had a all hands meeting just last week where once a month we get together as a whole company and we talk and we spend about an hour together and talk about things like sales and how the company's doing. And we introduce our new hires and all those fun things. But we also have economic time. Hey, it's a weird time right now. Right. We went through one of the darkest periods in this company's history and made it on the other side with COVID. And you look around right now, you can't pick up the journal these days without seeing some other company laying some people off. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we've maintained that transparency. We've maintained that conversation about how we think about growing our business, how we think about hiring, how we think about spending amongst the around us. It's just kind of a part of who we are now. And having that conversation with everybody inside of the company to know where we stand and you know where we're going and how we're going to pay for it and how we're protecting the company and everybody's income internally and how we're growing and investing into the future. It's just who we are now. And some of that was born in those radical times when I didn't have the answer. The only answer I could do was just put the information up on a slide and say, here's where we are and this is where we need to get to. Yeah. And I remember the day the office cheered when the line on the chart finally crossed the little dotted line, <laughs> right? So if we got to get to there to get on the other side of this thing. Yeah. And we finally made it there. And really just having that radical transparency, I think people that work with us would say that they trust us as a leadership team and a management team to make smart decisions, tell them when the decisions are challenging and they're all adults and we all banded together. Couldn't be more proud of how our team, all the Brightwellians, went through COVID together. It's a, it'll be a special bond for all of us that went through it together. And because it was some tough times, but we held together and we got through it. And it makes for a great story. And to that point, I'm very thankful that you came on and and shared that because when I think of companies that went through transformations and challenges during COVID, your industry and specifically your business is unparalleled by most organizations that had to live through what we all remember from three years ago. It was really unique. And yeah, it makes for just a fascinating story. Yeah, Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate it and appreciate the story, the, the ability to tell the story on your podcast here. We were one of many companies that went through crazy amount of things through COVID, and we're just happy to be on the other side of it now and looking forward. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Larry, what would be the best way? Yeah, probably my LinkedIn page, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Just go to LinkedIn, Larry Hip, Brightwell, probably the easiest way to get me. And if you wanted to reach out directly, that's probably the best spot to get me. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this particular episode of, of this podcast series from Danny Vandermaten and from Cressa and certainly from Larry and Brightwell. Merry Christmas. It's that time of the year for all of us. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And we will hear you. We will hear from you next time on Executive Perspective. Thank you for joining us on Executive Perspective. This show is brought to you by Cressa, the world's largest occupier-centric commercial real estate firm offering unbiased, conflict-free advice. For more information, go to Cressa.com.